Hello and welcome to Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined by my childhood friend, Chris Dow. Only two boxes of paracetamol with each transaction. And my adulthood friend, Minty Booth. I'm a heartbreaker. My name, Charles. And we are discussing our all-time top 100 video games. Whoop! This week, we have our number 63s. But uh, here we go. Before we do that, I uh, here we go. I think it's time to take a trip back in time to uh, to 1845 <laughs> to witness a tale of what can only be described as extraordinary escalation. You've only decided to pinch a loaf of cheap bread to feed your starving family. But before you know it, you've been in prison for 20 years. You've made a mortal enemy in a figure of authority. You've become a foreman in a factory using a fake name. You've overturned a colossal wooden wagon with your bare hands. You've become the stepfather to a dying prostitute's child. You've gone on the run from the law. You've fought in the French Revolution, saved a young man trying to bone your daughter, and above all, sung a shitload of songs in Les Quiserables. (laughs) so unhappy. (laughs) (laughs) the score is currently 17 all oh god so who will pull ahead in the pioneering open world adventure game shenmue oh no what animal is emblazoned on the back of the main fox that is incorrect (sighs) what animal is emblazoned on the back of the main protagonist's jacket it is it's a brown leather jacket and it is a snake. I'm going to give you guys one more guess each. And I'm going to decide which one of you is closest. Ooh. If you don't get the right answer. Oh, crepes. Okay. I'm going to go eagle. I'm going to go wolf. I'm going to give the point to Minty. Oh! Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> the correct answer is a tiger. And Minty named two animals with four legs, at least. Uh, You know, at least. Yeah. There we go. Well done, Minty. So, we've had another question come in from the Twitter sphere. At Afraid of the Folly asks, What game series would you like to play in a different genre? For instance, a roguelike Metroid game or a JRPG Zelda game? It's a good question. It is a very good question, isn't it? it? We got it quite a while ago, and... I haven't really been able to think of an example because as a Nintendo boy, all of my <laughs> characters, they've been in every genre. Mario, yeah. he's he's been in a JRPG. Yeah. As we found out a couple of weeks ago, he's been in an XCOM style yeah. strategy game. Played football. He's been in a 2D platformer. Yeah, I've been racking my brains for weeks. It's funny because there's games that I've thought of before where I've thought, ah, oh, wouldn't it be great if there was just like a straight beat-em-up? with Pokemon so it'd be like the the fights were in the anime series and then we got Pock and Tournament and yeah. I realised I didn't want that I've, I've thought about this for a few days I found this really difficult mm. and I was trying to go on thinking like okay what games do I really like and how could those characters or the story or whatever be repurposed something somewhere else and the only thing I could think of is like a, a potential that, that could exist 
was a sort of hybrid between like a music game like Rock Band or Guitar Hero with RPG elements. Interesting. And in in my head, it's kind of it almost exists in a in a really loose way in Rock Band Three. If anyone played that one, but it it had lots of kind of game unlockables that were tied to just overall progression. So instead of making you do certain things, if you just played X amount of songs or hit X amount of notes, you would unlock a new outfit or something like that. Yeah. But what what I think would work better is if it had a really expansive list of songs. And then maybe say, okay, at the start of the game, you create a band or a group or something that will grow in fame as you complete your own sort of custom set list across different venues. Because then you could potentially introduce like RPG battle mechanics with like guitar duels, I guess, like they had in Guitar Hero 3. Yeah. You could have kind of a town and shop mechanics prior to performing at a local venue. So kind of like exploring the, the village or town that the venue is in. You could have uh, like RPG sort of equipment gating by way of needing like a special instrument or gear that would cost like, I don't know, fame or experience or in-game cash or whatever. You could have like party member optimization with some sort of hiring and firing system of like session musicians maybe or something like that. Yeah. So it could maybe work. Instead of having like a a healer and a brawler, you'd have a vocalist and a bassist. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And and I mean, the the more I thought about it, it's like I made these notes and I thought, I mean, it it might be really shit, but in my head at least... (laughs) This seems like the tough thing that I'd certainly I'd certainly play for a long time. Certainly sounds like something you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the classic put down, yeah. Because the thing that struck me about this is that I mean it's it's such a rare occurrence these days to have anything that is truly original. And it's like that in any media, especially in music, people will be like, Oh, so what's you know, what's this genre? Oh, it's sort of like a fusion between this and that. And you see it all the time with indie games. A roguelike Metroid game is exactly how a robot named Fight was described to me by you, Chris. Yes. And it's the Dark Souls of 2D platformers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, everything is, is something light or something like, and it's why like people only seem to want sequels to things because they can't imagine something new. A game that's doing this like literally at the moment, I've never really played any of the series, but the Yakuza games up until this this point have essentially been like action RPGs, kind of like essentially like a 3D Streets of Rage, but with RPG elements. And Yakuza, I think it's either seven or eight, whatever the one is that's in production now, has gone full JRPG. Yeah. And it's like a real shift for that series. And it seems to be being received quite well. You know, more than anything else, I just want to see game series actually take more risks. And something like the Zelda series has been doing that. And something that I really wish that Pokemon would do and as of yeah i'm not convinced that pokemon sword and shield it looks like they're taking about 20 steps backwards with risk taking you can cook curries oh, you can cook curries because <laughs> you're right the actual answer to this question is i'd like to see a pokemon game fused with cooking, cooking mama yeah. <laughs> to be fair i probably would play that yeah mm. yeah i'll tell you what i want when yacht club games finish king of cards i think it would behoove them to move into the mobile gaming market and produce a deck building game and call it Shuffle Night. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. (laughs) That's excellent. Yeah, there we go. These are opinion-based questions. They don't usually have correct answers, but there it is. (laughs) Minty's hit it. (laughs) If anybody else has any ideas of of potential fusions, then please do jump onto Facebook, search for R3Cents, find us there, tell us all about it. So what have we been playing this week? Minty, what have you been playing? I'm just waiting for the end of the month. There's some great stuff coming out. Link's Awakening, Goose Game, Dragon Quest. At the point of recording this, in five days' time... We're all going to be a horrible goose. And I can't wait. I can't wait. I have been 
absolutely destroying my way through Astral Chain. And it is just wonderful. I would say it is easily the best Platinum game to date. Oh, boy. It's incredibly well balanced. It's got a great combat system. It's got a fantastic story. It's got great characters. The design is off the chain, pun fully intended. (laughs) And, I mean, it looks phenomenal. It sounds amazing. It's an incredibly immersive experience. It's very rewarding. One of the best things about the combat is that there's three main settings that you can change it so that you can change the combat from being pretty much fully automated to having, you know, the full platinum hard as nails settings active. And you can change these at the start of every chapter as well. So it's definitely the most approachable platinum game as well because of that. I mean, I've personally been flicking between the casual and unchained modes mainly. And I don't feel like I've been missing out on anything in the game at all, to be honest. Uh, All the combat's feeling very satisfying. I've still got enough input that I'm feeling like I'm contributing whilst the AI is doing the bulk of the work and making it look cool. And I'm just having a great time. And I'm now hoping to finish it before the end of the week so that I can trade it in to go towards Link's Awakening or Nino Kuni. And I've also got Blasphemous queued up, ready to play as well. So Lots to play. We'll see if I can squeeze any of that in. Chris, what have you been playing? Not a huge amount this week. I've, I've played bits of uh, Tetris 99, but the, the main thing I spent a lot of time doing was sorting out a niggling issue with my TV that I, I play games on that I'm going to retell here, A, because maybe it'll be a, a useful kind of public service announcement to someone in a similar position, and B, because I've spent so many hours fucking around with this, I feel like I need to tell someone. <laughs> so <laughs> most modern TVs that people probably realise has kind of like a cinema mode or a regular TV mode, and it also has a game mode. And the game mode generally will mean it kind of takes off a lot of the post-processing things the TV might do to make the picture look crisper or brighter or whatever. But it offers like a low latency kind of mode in substitution. So for games, especially kind of like retro games or or games that require fast reflexes, you, you want to be playing on the game mode because then you have a, you know, a snappier response time from what you're doing. And the TV I own, I, I bought it earlier in the year and it's kind of a maybe 2015, 2016 4K TV that I got secondhand for a really good price. But I'd, I'd noticed recently that when it was on the game mode, everything would be nice and snappy, like I thought. But the, the TV would ripple like once, probably every second, like once out of, say, a 60 frames per second game, you'd notice that it'll ripple. And it was so consistent that it was giving me like an actual headache. Yeah. It contributed to like Mario Maker was, was doing my head in because when you're running along like a flat plane, you just see that ripple. And it was doing my head in so much that I, I went on the internet. I was trying to find anyone else in a similar position. Could not find any reason for this like I turned off and on every single setting in the TV and then finally I found someone who suggested that on the the Samsung TV I have you can change the name of each source that's plugged in via HDMI and as part of that you can say okay it's a DVD player or it's a set-top box or it's a games console whatever so I tried games console blip still there doing my head in and then someone else suggested well maybe put it in as a as a PC like a computer rather than a games console and lo and behold that got rid of the blip so I can now play games without a headache, which is great, and still have the, the snappy response time and not have to resort to the cinema mode. Sing hosannas. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. it's, it's such a boring story. But like I said, it's like I, I feel like I have to share these things because no one cares. Uh, and I, I just hope in, in having the reach of a podcast across the internet, one person will and say, good job, Chris. Well done. So let's move on to the reason we're all here. The rankings. Starting this week, we have Minty. Oh, it's me. Minty. Minty, can you please tell us about your 63rd favourite video game? Minty. Sometimes, 
a game moves you. There's one game that has moved me to tears in my entire life. Sometimes a game brings something profound to the table. There's one game that I've been thinking about for weeks after I've played it. Sometimes games bring things that you've never seen before to the table that sets them apart from all of their competitors and leaves them in a field of exactly one. Sometimes a game is just good fun, robustly made and satisfying in the same way that chopping down a tree is or shooting an elk with a bow. This is one of the latter. <laughs> it's a game for the Wii U. I know what you're thinking. Very charitable of me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember very distinctly playing it on our big TV in the lounge when John and I lived together and thinking to myself, how on earth were we happy before HD? <laughs> Gorgeous game, packed with content and replayability bolstered by some fairly left field dlc that almost eclipsed the vanilla game it's mario kart 8 hey. oh boy solid racing game and solid then some. racing game and then some oh, yeah yeah heck yeah. yeah it's just a really safe bet if you want to have a good time you know you got friends coming over great race or battle each other are you alone great race or battle the cpu are you crap at mario kart Great. Play it on 50cc. Not enough bullshit in your life? Great. Play it on 200cc. <laughs> you want unlockables? Great. Win a race and get a new car. Then win it again and unlock someone new to drive it. And the level of variety and creativity that is on offer. Good heavens. Even the remakes of the old tracks don't leave you feeling shortchanged because, like we said, they're in HD now. Moomoo Meadows. Oh my you look god. At <laughs> that is literally the greatest remake in video game history. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. I mean, I just I never, never <laughs> has a video game series stepped it up so much. The latest in a series that's gone from strength to strength since the very beginning. I think it went from strength to weakness and back to strength, though, because. As we all know, Mario Kart 64 is a load of bunk. Jonathan! <laughs> <laughs> this is your first warning. I was actually going to write that in, but I played Super Mario Kart on SNES Online. And my wife got very upset with me. She said, what, what, what are these sounds you're making? Because it's just a looped ditty and some beeps. The music in Mario Kart 8 is one of the best soundtracks of all time. It's so good. Mm. I will go down with, with that on my grave. I, I want that written because when they released, do you remember when it was uh, the build-up to that game coming out and they put out all the little videos of the full band orchestra playing this stuff? Yeah. Even like the, 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 the menu music when you first turn on the game has a little kind of bass guitar break where the guy is playing so hard and heavy. It, it's like he, he's playing within an inch of his life and it's, it's unbelievable. The The... the <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic honestly I mean it felt that for the first time it had the same level of polish and love and depth and respect for Nintendo's history as the Smash Brothers series was showing yeah absolutely yes yes you're yeah. right yeah thank you for that Minty the joy from start to finish moving on Chris can you please tell us about your 63rd favourite video game of all time please of course I can Jonathan I group VR games, virtual reality games, into one of two categories. So you've either got games that try and use the headset as 
a means of giving you like a new viewpoint on like a familiar genre or series. So you've got things like Tetris Effect or you've got things like Thumper that kind of like focus your senses entirely to kind of like puzzle game or, or rhythm game respectively. Or you've got games like Theseus or Moss or Astrobot that apply it to kind of like a third person action game essentially that works really nicely to give 3d spaces like a sense of depth and perspective or secondly and kind of more common in vr you have you know first person immersive experiences that try and take the coding conventions of first person games and then try and map your vision and action one-to-one to your actual movements to make you feel that you are in the virtual reality game and generally perhaps strangely it's it's the first camp the, the games that kind of take existing things and make them a little bit different with vr that i i enjoy more since having my, my playstation vr for a couple of years i'm with you yeah I, I think games generally they're given a bit more space to breathe i don't know the, the physical disconnect that comes when you're playing a game in first person in, in a vr when you have a physical disconnect in terms of like how you're picking things up and it not quite working or movement not quite working or motion not quite working that sort of inconsistency breaks your immersion so much more than when you're kind of like overseeing something like Moss, like I said, with a small character in the background, or when you're focused, yeah. you know, exclusively on something like Tetris Effect. But this game, and it's one that we have talked about before, Jonathan, in your 99th ah, pick. I thought it might be this. Super Hot VR. I think it takes most of my biggest criticism of VR and blows it out the window. I, th- I think it's it's a game that suffers from basically none of the issues that that we've just mentioned in terms of that that disconnect yeah and for being a first person virtual reality experience it's one of the most immersive games i think i've ever played yeah and it's it's just it's unthinkably good (laughs) like for for someone who has not played it it's almost difficult to explain how fully absorbed you feel within seconds of putting on the headset yeah it feels like how you think virtual reality will will work yeah which is only a reference point you've got from sci-fi yeah exactly i mean when you talked it up obviously really early on in, in these run of, run of episodes and even when you talked about like the flat counterpart a few weeks ago for the, the eShop release a lightning quick recap for anyone who's not heard of it or didn't listen to those episodes it's it's a first person shooter where enemies and projectiles and the world around you only moves when you move and obviously with an actual like analog stick if you're playing the the 2d version that means when you're actually moving your character forwards or around or whatever but in vr it means that you you feel like you're almost conducting the world around you yeah because you you get into a habit where you stand very very still when the when the world sort of first materializes and you almost kind of like a waving your hand just gently to see kind of what what's coming towards you so you start to plan out your approach and how you're going to tackle each scene and in practice it's it's basically a matrix simulator it feels it feels like those scenes in the matrix that the tie-in games couldn't possibly have been when they released but obviously it was it was what everyone was trying to aspire to when bullet time became a big deal in in games so you know back when the franchise was still really popular and it had that kind of real point of cultural ascendancy almost where everyone was cribbing on the matrix this is what people imagine games should be doing but obviously it couldn't possibly resolve itself until we had this technology now and i mean some kind of anecdotal highlights of my time playing super hot you might start a stage throw a knife at an enemy catch a shotgun in the air as it kind of flies from its dying hand shoot two approaching enemies with loaded rounds in the gun and then launch the gun itself at the final enemy to clear the stage and feel like an absolute hero <laughs> yeah <laughs> the way that the game itself it's like there's not free movement like a, a lot of VR games, which helps as well for that sort of non-immersion breaking thing. So each stage, you're kind of it's it's comprised of multiple little vignettes like across a single area. And I remember one in particular where I, I started the stage. I took out kind of a run of enemies using thrown objects. I grabbed the final kind of assailant's gun as he came towards me, knocked him out using the butt of the gun, and then 
through the gun itself upwards to where I knew the next kind of stage started so I could catch it myself and carry on. Yes. It's, it's, it's that kind of thing that works so, so well that you, you know, you, you're thinking those steps ahead and you're planning your movement really carefully. And it works so much better than just saying, okay, here's Call of Duty in VR, which would just never, ever work. And then the other one, which I stage like to finish a kind of run of levels, the game sort of infers that you need to physically walk forwards off like a, a virtually high object in order to progress. And oh, yeah. at that point, it's like my knees felt legitimately weak and wobbly. <laughs> and, and generally, like yes. I'd, I'd played enough VR stuff where, I, you know, you, you get an understanding of kind of what is happening. And, and even if you're kind of in that game world, there's always that kind of like immersion break when you're playing. And yet here, I, I was so absorbed with this idea. It's like, I've just, I've just killed all these guys. I've just made it through this stage. And it felt like I actually, I actually have to kill myself. I, I have to jump off this big building. Like, what's going to happen? And it's sort of like that, that sense of reticence, like just pausing for a moment, was, was one of the most unbelievable experiences I've, I've had in VR to date. And I don't think I've played any first-person game in VR since or before that felt half as immersive as Superhot. And that it does this with like a low polygon, low color, because it's essentially just black, white, and red, minimalist world is, is absolutely incredible. And like I said, it's like people often ask for like fully fledged games like Call of Duty, like I said, or, or something like that in VR. And whilst I'm not saying it's impossible to make that work, I think it's fair to say so much would need to be done to the core format to make it work at all, that it's remarkable how well Superhot adapts what we understand as a first person game, but in a very different way to work within a virtual space. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really hope the same team thinks about other ways to kind of continue to adapt that sort of format, like play on the coding conventions of, of what we understand as first person games to really like lean into what VR does that other kind of play modes don't. So maybe in the future, we'll see some other exciting stuff. I hope so. I mean, I was absolutely blown away by it. And I, I, I got a whole new appreciation for it after playing the original Superhot on the Switch quite recently. Yeah. And I realized just actually how much they'd translated the same experience into a new form yeah and that's not something that you do by just going here is the whole game in vr like you said and i think one of the criticisms i had of skyrim is yeah. it's like well skyrim's not a vr game and if they made a game in the skyrim world that was in vr that replicated the way i felt about skyrim but in a new setup then maybe yeah that would work but it just shows incredibly smart design and uh yeah what a great game it's a good one so lastly it's me it's my game oh joddy my 63rd favorite video game is a game that had been recommended to me by a certain fellow by the name of chris dow Ooh. Now, we all know that Chris is a huge fan of rhythm games. Yeah. He's also very good at them. (laughs) I'm not that good at them. And so when Chris gives me a recommendation of a rhythm game to try, I'm never entirely sure if it's going to be my cup of tea or not. So whereas a game like Lumines didn't really resonate with me at all, this game definitely did. It is a game that Chris mentioned about 10 minutes ago. It's the mind-blowingly intense, self-genred, rhythm-violence game, Thumper. Yes. Thumper. (laughs) Yes. Now, I first played Thumper on the Switch, as it was before I had a PS4 or my PSVR. And even playing it in handheld mode on the Switch was a gaming experience that was among the most profoundly terrifying and intense experiences I've ever had. 
even playing it on the TV still didn't hold a candle to the full VR experience the game could offer. And when I finally got round to playing it on my PSVR, I felt like I experienced whatever the opposite of transcendence is. <laughs> uh, it, was <laughs> it was the anti-Tetris effect. <laughs> so for those who haven't played it, describing the game may not fully match up with the descriptions of how it feels to play it. You essentially play as a beetle flying down a chute, and you have to avoid obstacles and ride the sides of the track in time with a thumping rhythm track. So where is the horror? Where is the violence? (laughs) And the brilliant thing is that it isn't really anywhere. Not overtly, at least. It's all in the atmosphere that the game creates. It's in the force that your beetle collides with the sides of the track. It's in the perpetual thumping of the music, the hauntingly dark and ominous visuals, the hypnotic loop of failure and restart. It's enough to make you feel like you're having an out-of-body experience. Yeah, yeah. What, that, that is a way to describe it. When I showed the game to my brother Alex, he said that it looked like visions he'd had of what purgatory was like. <laughs> 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 So needless to say, when you then transport the experience to virtual reality, it intensifies a hundredfold and is then weirdly a game that you simultaneously can't play for long periods of time and one that you cannot stop playing (laughs) once you've started. (laughs) Much like Tetris Effect, it's a a very difficult game to describe to those who who haven't played it, but it's such a phenomenal experience and I would encourage anyone who hasn't heard of it or seen it to, to give it a go and see what you think. Even playing it non-VR, it's such an incredible experience that, yeah, you just... I've done my best to describe it, but until you play it, (laughs) oh, you don't know. You don't know. You weren't there. I did try out the mobile version of the game. And, I mean, to be fair, it's a really solid port and it's built really nicely for mobile. And it's great that you can play it in portrait and landscape. I'm not a fan of mobile games that require you to have the audio on weirdly uh so rhythm games are never going to work for me on mobile <laughs> yeah that is a, a difficulty <laughs> also something i didn't sort of really clock that i missed was the fact that it lacked the force feedback you get from the controllers on consoles oh, of uh, course, when yeah. it's vibrating and that really really combines well with the action and adds to the experience thinking of it it's a game that i've now triple dipped and even buying it three times hasn't amounted to the cost of a full title. And I have absolutely no regrets of, of spending that much money on the game. I know that it's going to be on Chris's list at some point, And I, I really look forward to hearing your thoughts properly on it more fully. Yeah. Uh, but for now, this thumping video game is my 63rd favourite. I mean, the, the only thing I'll say, because like you say, it, it does appear higher up my list. It's... It's a game that I, I wrote about when I first played it uh, on, a, on a games blog that I, I don't really keep up that much anymore. But I described it as being a dreadful experience in that it, make, it, it leaves you <laughs> filled with dread, like the very literal sense yeah. of what dreadful means, that it, it creates, like you say, such atmosphere. Like you feel like a weight in your chest when you're playing it. Yeah. And, and nothing else feels and looks like this game. So there we have it. Another three games. First of all, we had... Mario Kart 8. And then we had... Super Hot Ver. <laughs> and finally, Thumper. If you've enjoyed this episode, or if indeed you've enjoyed any of our episodes, please do like and subscribe, leave us a review, share it with your friends, share it on social media. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that. 
You can find us on Facebook if you search for Our Three Cents, or you can reach out to us individually. You can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. You can find me at Chaz underscore Hodges. And you can now find me at Clement underscore Boo. And please do join us next week for our 62s.